I notice that they're always observing, you know, kids are always observing their parents and, and watching them and how they act, interact with others and how they treat others. And I think it's important to teach them like, no matter what kind of status you have, you know, you need to be humble, you need to be, you know, be evenly killed, you need to treat everyone the same, regardless of what they've done in life. You know, it's, it's more about who you are in life than what you've done in life. How's it going, everybody? Tom here from Dad Strong with another episode of the Dad Strong podcast. Got an awesome guest lined up for you today. Just finished off with my seal foot workout in the morning and a bit of yoga and uh, developing that strong body. I know how important that is, and I've noticed how when I let that go, how I'm just not able to step up as much as I could as a father, not prepared for the day, not ready to get after it. And uh, I just encourage you guys, make sure that that's an area that you take control of. It's an easy one to just do, you know, it's just a choice of getting down getting some workout and going for a run, going for a walk, you know, you can start anywhere. You don't have to go hard. You just have to go consistent. And that's what I've noticed is just being consistent in that. And that relates also to the area of the mind as a father, just being consistent and making sure that we are thinking right, that we are putting away those negative thought patterns and negative behaviors and moving towards being those dads that our families need and deserve and that the world needs right now. You know, I think that fatherhood, and I think we can all agree how important it is to step up as dads. And that's exactly what we hear about at Dad Strong. It's not really complicated, although it is complex uh, to make happen. But I think that we can all agree that we want to look back one day and be remembered as great fathers, not just good fathers. And so I encourage you guys to do that. And uh, talking about great fathers, my guest today is none other than Taylor Knox. I'm really fortunate to have Taylor on the show. He's an ex-professional surfer, spent many years on the ASP World Tour, as it was called then, now called uh, the WSL, um, starting in 1993, and he ranked as high as fourth in the world. He's also part of that momentum generation that I talked about when I interviewed Rob Machado, including Rob Machado, previous guest, Kelly Slater, 11-time world champion, Shane Dorian big wave charger and among and also other guys um taylor lives in san diego as well it seems like i'm just interviewing california guys at the moment i've <laughs> got another one coming up soon and uh, he started when he was eight after moving from the mountains which he thought would be terrible to the coast but now i can't imagine moving away from the beach um i think taylor's drive and passion for the sport and how it grew and led him to become the surfer um, and the person that he has and the major impact he has is really inspirational. Um, he won the inaugural K2 Big Wave Challenge at Toto Santos. We caught a 52-foot wave, which I think is just insane, but uh, must take a lot of guts and drive. He was also inducted into the Surfers Hall of Fame in 2011 and was noted for having influenced a generation of surfers, well, the founder of the Surfers Hall of Fame. Um, in spite of these achievements, Taylor, as you'll see, is a truly humble guy and an example to all of us of what we can achieve if we work hard come back strong, stronger after setbacks and treat others with respect they deserve. I, I love this conversation with Taylor and his perspective on fathered friendship, life, and of course surfing, and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Cool, man. Taylor Knox, welcome to Dad Strong Podcast. Uh, really appreciate it, it and uh, honored and uh, yeah, privileged to speak to you, man. Thanks a lot. Oh, thanks for asking me to be on. I'm happy to be here. How's it going on a, on a nice Thursday morning at 9 o'clock there in San Diego? It's pretty nice. I mean, you know, actually, it's been what we call June gloom over here. We had a great spring and uh, we thought it was going to keep rolling, but we definitely got some overcast days the last week. And it's just that time of year for us before July comes around and, you know, this stuff kind of goes away. So mm. you're from South Africa, you know what, you know, fog is like and you know, having a bit of, you guys get a bit more weather than we do. So. Yeah, no one's feeling sorry for us. <laughs> no, I'm always bummed though, because now that I live in Germany, 
it's kind of like you get the, I mean, it's kind of nice. You kind of get the seasons when Cape Town, I mean, you've been to Cape Town and Jeffrey's Bay. It's kind of like, there's no seasons really. It's, it's kind of like a wet ish winter. And we, we've had a little bit of that here actually as well. This June thing, it's been raining a lot, but as you can see behind me, it's pretty, it's pretty good weather. But um, anyways, man, yeah, you had a, you mentioned you had a cool night. I actually was just on Instagram and saw you had like a, an awesome night. Then in fact, there was a South African there as well. I think. Um, was there a South African there? Isn't Sal Masakela? Oh, yeah, Sal. Well, I mean, you say that, and of course, Sal was there. Um, and Sal and I went to high school together, so. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I think I was one of the first guys to go up to Sal when he came to school and just kind of introduce myself and tell him welcome. And, you know, I was stoked to, stoked to have a, another surfer in the group, you know, another surfer at school. Oh, was he was he a surfer as well when he was younger? Yeah, yeah, he was he was surfing. Uh, I think he got to Carlsbad in tenth grade or tenth or eleventh grade, and um, he, he just fit right in. I mean, he loved surfing and skating, and then he you know really fell in love with snowboarding. And I mean, he's he's all over the joint. But um, yeah, he was he was really passionate about all three of those things. Yeah, I was actually just about to say that because the last time I saw Sal on TV was watching uh, Red Bull Rampage in Virgin, Utah. He's comments on that as well. Yeah, he's 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 amazing at that. I mean, I I, I give him so much credit, and you know, I, I I expect him to be doing some pretty big things. I'm sure, like you know, he once one year he worked for the NBA, and he did such a good <laughs> job. I think they really they blew it there by not keeping him on. But I could wow. see him, you know, being it some major sport commentating and you know I, I think his time will come pretty soon where he uh even goes to a bigger level uh, is he did he come to america with his dad then with huma huma is his dad right the musician yes so yeah that's his, that's his dad oh i don't know i mean i don't know that much obviously in south africa we know huma sakela and then obviously watching e i think it was first and then seeing him everywhere it's always so cool for me because whenever like i saw the photo of last night with all those dudes and then i saw him in the middle it just kind of feels you're kind of proud of that as south africans we're always proud where where everybody is so it's geordie smith or sean thompson whoever we always like want to claim it you know <laughs> yeah for sure i mean you know i mean south africa is just one of the most amazing countries it's by far one of my favorites that was on tour and I, I love going there and just, I can hang out there for a couple months a year, no problem. Just, just love the people. I have so many good friends there. I love it. Did you spend a lot of time in Cape Town where I'm from? I did. Yeah. I, I hung out with a couple buddies that lived there. Um, Paul Daniels is one of them. Okay, the shaper, yeah. Uh, no, Paul Daniels. He's a filmer. He, he's originally from the bluff. He, um, yeah. from, um, cave rock, but, uh, yeah. He does a lot of filming. He's worked on, you know, with us for many years on different edits and movies. And, and then, uh, my other friend, Brandon Kirzner, he's, you know, he lives there and, um, when uh, Sasha, the photographer and, you know, this, just good people. Some other guys down there too. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've always been jealous of you guys. I mean, when I was growing up, obviously watching you and Robert Machado and actually surfed with Kelly once at, as mentioned to Rob, I surfed with Kelly just by chance at Jeffrey's Bay and he was just paddling out down their tubes and a little bit off while everyone where the contest was on. And, um, that was really cool. But to see you guys travel the world and, you know, I'm sure you have like friends in every single country that you've been to must be. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, when you're on tour that long, it's it's almost like you end up staying with the same people year after year when you're good friends with them. And mm. it's more like a family. And then they come over here and they stay with you. And it, <laughs> that's the one thing I think I missed the most is when I had left the tour was I was so used to seeing my friends and my and my family and let's say South Africa and Brazil and all. you just you just stop seeing them kind of, you know, like you're not on tour anymore. And I think for me that that hurt a lot, you know, because I was so it was like, I, I won't see you for a year, but that's OK, because I'll definitely see you next year, you know, and yeah. it was always like you could count on going back to the same time. Easter at Bells and, you know, Jay Bay in July. And it, yeah, I missed that. But I did get back to Jay Bay a couple like three years ago and did a movie called little edit called La Watley with the mm -hmm. Waves of Change guys. And I got to be there for. Oh man, I think I was there for four weeks, like a month in South yeah. Africa. So I, I was, I was stoked. I always like it when I can hang out there. Yeah. Jay Bay is a special place. I live, I don't know if you know Des Sawyer. That's my dad's cousin. He's a shaper. Lives no in way. Oh yeah. I know Des. Oh really? No way. Yeah. And Stevie, yeah, obviously I've, his son. I've gotten, I've gotten boards from Des. I really? remember <laughs> when in the nineties, Ross Williams yeah. had a board sponsor and that board sponsor, I, I got worked with Des as well. And I remember getting some boards. I think it must've been in the mid nineties, mm -hmm. but Des was a great guy. Yeah. Awesome shaper. And I had a good spider board before. And yeah, okay. Yeah. There's some, there's some really talented guys down there. That's for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. But I mean, Jay Bay is pretty, I mean, for whenever I watched you, cause I watched you a couple of times or a few times, actually, I came up sometimes to watch from Cape Town and then I lived in Jeffrey's Bay with Des actually for three months um, with his family and I always watched you and always thought that was such a, I don't know if it was right, but it always seemed like a wave suited to your, your style actually. Yeah, it's definitely like my favorite stop on tour. I think, you know, it was, it, there's certain spots as a, as a kid, when you're looking at magazines and you're dreaming about being, a, you know, on tour. Mm. And that was one of those spots where I really, I would look and dream about surfing that wave and <laughs> finally getting able to do it, you know, and when they had a contest there, I think the first year was 96 when they had a CT there. Uh, yeah. And that was, that was like the most amazing experience for me to show up and just like the sights and sounds and smells and how close, close it breaks to the beach and what a fast wave it is. And I always, mm. you know, liked right point breaks. So, and then to be in the final with Kelly and, you know, that was actually super incredibly special too, you know, like to be in the <laughs> final there, friend. He, even though he took me out, um, yeah, I got a 10, he still beat me, but, uh, <laughs> but it was still amazing. And, and, uh, I, I made the, I always seemed to do well there. I was pretty stoked. Yeah. I mean, Kelly Slater, what a beast. I mean, whenever I see him, I was sitting with my wife watching the momentum generation again with her for the first time. And I just said like, that guy is something else. I mean, he's, isn't he 40? Is he turned 48 yet? Yeah. And I mean, yeah. he's, I mean, that guy is still, I mean, for me, yes, he's obviously not as dominant as he was, but I still watch his heats and support him. And I just can't believe how he has maintained. And I think you, the, you're similar in that, I mean, you're free surfing in the way you're surfing now. You've somehow man, maintained your health and your fitness and been able to get out there and rip, rip it to pieces. You know, I don't think I could even dream of surfing that way, even in my prime of my physical thing. How do you, how do you guys do that? Did you guys, cause I saw a little bit that you have taken care of your health quite a bit. Did you, were you always focused on your health and peak performance and working hard or did you, cause I mean, there was a time when we used to look at surfing, I think early nineties when it was kind of more party vibe. And then all of a sudden it was like, guys are really getting serious. 
Yeah, I think our generation was kind of, I wouldn't say the first um, group of guys to get serious about it. Because I think Tom Kern was, you know, pretty wow. dedicated and guys like Gary Elkerton and Martin Potter, they, they all did a, a lot of training and they're really focused. And so <laughs> I think there were individuals like that. But as far as a group coming into surfing, it was, we're kind of a anomaly in surfing at that point because guys weren't really that close to friends on tour. You know, they were friends, but like once you hit the water, all bets were off and you were ready to step on each other's throats. But with us, I think what really kept us connected was there was this stigma around surfing that we wanted to change, you know, like the Jeff Spicoli fast times at Ridgemont high or, you know, that movie point break that made surfers, you know, still look like, you know, Daryl's and, and we were kind of like okay enough of this you know because yeah. it's not a a fair de- depiction of what and who we were you know and what we wanted to do so our group we did go out and have a good time and you know we did party once in a while but we were pretty pretty um innocent uh, you know there was no one doing hard drugs in our group um awesome. didn't drink very much at all we were just I think too with Taylor Steele being involved, it really kept us competitively on our toes. But like we were so competitive with each other, <laughs> there was the competition side with the contest, but then there was the competition side with making our video parts. So, oh yeah, you know, you, you couldn't be a slacker because then you you know you, you wouldn't have a good video part or your results would go down. It was like it was kind of like we were working on two things at once. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so, we weren't really focused on, you know, some people were saying, well, you know, there's the, you know, the animosity between competitors and stuff. And it really wasn't like that for us. It was a healthy competition. You know, I mean, we all knew that Kelly was uber talented. And I, and I don't think, you know, any of us thought like, oh, he, we're better than him. But we thought, you know, hey, we can, we can definitely have our day where we could beat him, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I was talking to Rob Machado about that high five, and I was like, "That was the that was the moment, eh? When he did that high five on the final of the pipeline." But I kind of thought it was kind of cool because, like you said, and I think it was you that said in the movie, and and Rob kind of echoed the sentiments is that you know friends and family and the relationships end up being way more important than the contest. And I think that you know Rob might have won the world championship, which is awesome, and I can't under I can't imagine even being in that position. But that moment is such an iconic moment of someone putting competition second to you're just being so stoked for your mate who's going to take the world championship. I mean, it's the ultimate like friendship moment for me. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, you're not thinking when you, when all that is happening when you're out at pipeline and the waves are perfect and there's two of you out there and you know, you just got blown out of a barrel and your mm. friend just got blown out of a barrel. You lose that kind of focus of, of like, Oh yeah, I'm still in the heat. And even <laughs> if it's poor, even if it's a lapse of a few seconds, it just goes to show you like how things can turn, you know, like, but I think for, for Rob, I mean, I'm sure he was disappointed. I was on the beach that day, but he was really disappointed. He kind of couldn't believe it was going down that way. And, but at the same time, looking back on it now, after this long, many years, I mean, it actually, in a way, almost meant more or equal as a world title just because of, you know, all the talk around it and the discussion and the, obviously the Momentum movie was amazing to bring yeah. a lot of us up 
back together. We were always, we never were not friends, but I think we, we just went out, everyone got off tour at a different time. And I mean, shit, Kelly's still on tour, you know, like <laughs> I, I, I made it pretty far. And then yeah, like, I, I thought I was going to be the last one on, but then, you know, he's, he might be on for another 10 years. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so they obviously played a massive part in you then getting on tour and actually becoming or getting onto the, the WCT, the other guys as well. Did that, do you think that pushed you to levels that you might never have got to if you weren't in that group or at Benji's house with those dudes and that whole scenario that played out with Todd Chesson? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Like, it, you know, when they say it takes a village to raise a kid, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. We didn't, we left, you know, we left home at an early age and when we were doing it, there was no such thing as coaches or managers, you know, you were doing everything yourself. You were like, you know, you were booking your rental cars and you were like, you know, arranging everything. So you, we really needed each other for that kind of support and competition, even though we were trying to beat each other, we were still, I, I think we all knew that like, if anyone... I, I would say like kind of abused our friendship or if anyone kind of stepped out of line, you would be called out so fast. It wouldn't, you know, I mean, just knew it. So you just didn't, you know, you make sure to, to keep everything kosher. <laughs> mm. So how did you, how did you actually get into surfing and get so kind of stuck in it? Cause there was a part that I saw, I don't know where I saw that, but it was like surfing was it for you. It wasn't, you didn't care about girls. You didn't care about anything. It was like, I'm going to be, and, and you said it from a young age, I'm going to be a professional server. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I was living on, on a house that was on the sand on a beach and I moved there when I was six or seven years old and I actually hated the beach <laughs> and I really did for like three weeks. I think I cried. I just wanted to go oh. back to the mountains okay. and, and I, <laughs> where I lived looked a lot like where you are right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I want to go back to the I, beach. <laughs> I want to go back to the beach yeah, now. <laughs> I never want to leave the beach ever again. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it was. I don't know. It was like a. I, I learned to love the ocean before I long before I learned to love surfing. You know, and then I started seeing surf magazines and I started looking at pictures and you know I was like, wow, I can't believe these guys get paid to be in the ocean. And I thought well, there's no better job in the world. If like if you're going to pay me to be in the ocean, that's just really all I want. And I remember in third grade, I was sitting on my steps and mm. I was with my uh, best friend at the time. And I looked at him and I said, I'm going to be a pro surfer. And I never, I never changed my mind from that day forward. Like my parents thought I was crazy. My friends thought I was crazy. <laughs> you know, I didn't have a lot of support. I think I had a lot of like, Mm. I mean, I have support from my parents, but I didn't have a lot of support from people around me. They just thought I was nuts. Okay, so your parents did support you in it and encourage you to do it. Well, they at, at first they thought it was just a you know I wasn't very good and I, I lost a lot, so I think they were just going yeah right you know like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they were kind of just like really you, you, okay well <laughs> and then um, you know obviously I had uh, the back surgery and stuff and that kind mm. of really made people think it was going to happen for me. And uh, that made me actually more determined, I'd yeah. say, a lot more. I'm not sure I would have been a pro surfer without that major, like, back surgery. Yeah, I and never actually knew about that until yeah. today. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, that was one thing I actually wanted to talk to you about because I found that very fascinating that you said that, that you said, you know, if it wasn't for back surgery, I probably wouldn't have become a professional surfer, whereas a lot of people and the doctors were saying, 
if uh, it was somebody else, you just wouldn't be able to walk again. And you'd probably like just, um, you know, be debilitated your whole life. Yet somehow you took that. And that's, and that's obviously what's cool about this podcast and talking to dads is that it's so rad to see people that take almost like the worst situation and turn it into something that's great. Yeah, I think too, it was like, uh, you know, having a dream and having a person tell you, and I'm sure that they were just doing their job and, and looking at my, um, my back, you know, like even doctors today yeah. look at it and go, you shouldn't do what you're doing. And okay. I remember thinking like giving the, I wanted to give the doctor the middle finger um, and be like, you know, F you, you're not going to tell me what I can do and can't do. And I want to prove that you, you know, that you're wrong. And that was for a long time, that was my driving force was proving all these people that were telling me I couldn't do it. Mm. So it was just, it was just making me more focused. It was making me more driven to where I wasn't going out in high school and going to parties. And that wasn't my focus. And I was a rare kid where I would just stay home and just focus on being a great surfer. And, and, and I didn't realize that the back surgery actually probably pushed me into it until I'd say a few years ago. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting because I was watching that with my colleague today in my classroom. I'm a teacher and we just both looked at that little x-ray and we were like, wow, man, that <laughs> looks seriously painful, man. But I mean, yeah, that's, and I mean, I mean, that, that's the, that's the great thing about adversity. And I think that in the video, like seeing that this is dad syndicate, you spoke about that, you know, your childhood wasn't so, so easy at times and kind of surfing was the escape for that. And you kind of, or a way out to kind of get away from the chaos and kind of into the chaos. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, like it was my way of like, of taking my independence. You know, I wanted to be, uh, you know, like, let's face it, humans don't like being told what to do, any human, you know, and, and I feel like when you're living with your parents and you're just, you feel so under the thumb that you're, as a 17 year old, you're ready to get out in the world and at all costs and see what's, what's going on out there. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I had parents like that as well. Very, very devout Christian parents. So you can imagine that until 18, I was always just wanting to get out. I mean, I suppose it was the same for me. I kind of just ended up at the beach most of the time, grew my hair long, ended up just wearing ripped jeans and stuff. Unfortunately, unfortunately for me, I think I bodyboarded too long. It's quite sad, really. I think I bodyboarded till 18 and I only got on a surfboard when I was 19, you know? Um, uh, so that was a bummer. Yeah. But um, anyway, like your style, um, your style developed like different. You've got a unique style. And I think you, you said you, you kind of looked at Tom Curran, who I, I've always loved his surfing, and then obviously charging Tom Carroll and used them as kind of like a little bit of a blueprint of which direction you're going, which is a more kind of powerful flow, flowy, uh, like fast surfing. Yeah, that was always my, you know, like I think when I was young, I was look, definitely my hero was Tom Curran. And I like Tom Carroll, even though I couldn't, I couldn't surf like Tom because I didn't have his body type, you know, mm. like, but I really, I loved how powerful he was. And I liked that he, well, whatever I read in the magazine that he, he was working out in the gym and, and I thought, okay, well, there's, there's something, you know, that will help mm. me, you know, because I want to become, I just don't want to be a skinny, scrawny kid. And I want to become a, like a powerful surfer. You know, I was looking at these guys and I'm like, well, these guys on tour, like, Potts and mm. Gary Elkerton wow. and all these guys are strong dudes, you know, and you're, you're going to have to go up against those guys if you want to be on that tour and you're going to have to beat them. So I thought that that was going to be kind of my niche. I think all of us 
you know, had a, a little niche to them as far as their surfing goes. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted that to be mine. I, I watched guys like Richard Cram and then before, you know, Tom and, and then Tom came along with in Aki. And um, uh, I mean, those two were kind of like, those three guys were kind of my favorite, Tom, Aki, Carol. Mm. And I just, you know, I love the way that Carol charged at pipe and, you know, char they all charge actually, but mm. um, they all brought something a little different to surfing. And that's, that's kind of where my inspiration was. I was drawing inspiration from until I started kind of coming around all of the, you know, all the momentum guys and we started mm -hmm. bonding together and, and that I think really pushed, you know, because it was, you know, you, you wouldn't, you didn't want to mess up and you didn't want to be left behind. You didn't want to like be the guy that couldn't keep up with the pack. Mm -hmm. You know, you, everybody was getting on tour and you wanted to get on tour and you, you know, it was because if you weren't, then you felt like you were messing out on a lot of fun. I think you're right, yeah. But I mean, it's pretty amazing how many of you guys did get on tour, though. I mean, it's and 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 not just get on tour. I mean, you guys were dominating, like the tour. It was crazy. I mean, I, I, there's there hasn't been a group since then that has come on to tour like you know six to eight guys or whatever. How many we were? Mm. I mean, that's a large group of really close friends to actually get on tour. You know, yeah. that was a. And I haven't seen it since. I mean, you had, you know, some guys like the Joel and mm. Mick and, and Dingo. Yeah. That was three guys that are all the same age, grew up at Snapper. You know, that was, that was amazing coming through. But that was probably the last group of really, really tight, you know, guys that came along to dominate. Are the Brazilians like that? I know that they support each other. Are they tight like Felipe? I mean, I don't know if you know anymore, but I'm sure you, you keep touch with what's going on, like Felipe Toledo and Italo and obviously Gabriel Medina. And I think there's a couple of other guys as well. Yeah, they, 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 they've had a huge push in the last couple of years. Um, I don't know if they hang out all together all the time like we did. Um, okay. You know, we were together at every tour stop. We would stay in the same hotel. We would always be around because... You know, each guy like Italo and Philippe and Gabriel, they, they each have their own filmer and photographer and guys, that, oh, okay. you know. But for us, <laughs> we were all just <laughs> Taylor, you know, like yeah. that was, we didn't have like each of us didn't have a filmer. It was we were all just following Taylor around. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about him. I mean, because that was something that first of all, obviously Benji's house, which looked like the biggest fun that I've ever seen a young guys have ever and then and then obviously that dude that was well Benji's story of him just hanging out in a in some dodgy van outside his mom's house and then coming in and then suddenly he made like a massive impact on you guys and where you actually went which I knew he obviously produced some movies but I wasn't aware that that was such a such a huge thing yeah, yeah I mean it happened so organically and naturally like nobody knew nobody they just it was kind of like oh this is fun we get to we can actually watch ourselves surf, you know, like after the session, which was so rare for us growing up because we didn't have a lot of people filming us all the time. Mm -hmm. not, not like today where, you know, every session is being filmed by, you know, a kid's parents or yeah. filmer, you know, it was rare for us. And we were so like, you know, we gather around the TV and it would be like, Oh my God, you know, we're going to, we're going to watch our ways from the day. And, Mm. Uh, the cameras were ancient, you know, and Taylor had tapes everywhere. There was just tapes <laughs> everywhere, high tapes. And, and it, you know, you'd be like, he'd let us watch it once and that was it. 
because he didn't want the tape yeah. to break or something to happen to it, you know? And so it made those like video sessions super funny and making fun of each other and, you know, and judging each other and, you know, try, watching the other guys get a good wave. You'd be like, Oh man, I want the wave of the day. You know, like yeah. it, it was, it was a really cool, natural, organic, like competition that I, I think was, I was really, I feel really blessed to be able to grow up in that era of surfing. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. And you guys are still in touch with him and, and are you, have you made recently made movies with him as well? No, we haven't made any movies um, <laughs> with him. We've been in that momentum movie, you know, with him, yeah. but with him, yeah. you know, Taylor's I think doing a lot of commercial work now yeah. and, you know, but we were with him last night and it, yeah. it's just the same old people. I mean, it's no different, you know, when we're all together, it feels like mm. it felt like it did when it was, we were 21 and 22. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I chat, chatted with Rob about that and just how important that is as, and we can move on to being talking about dad, seeing that we've half an hour gone about surfing, which, <laughs> which is cool. Cause <laughs> with Rob, we actually didn't talk that much about the surfing. And I think it's important because for me, it draws, I mean, a lot of sports draw parallels with being a dad, you know, just the effort you put in and the friends you have around it. And that's the thing, you know, you guys, that friendship and that connection with him, how much impact it has just on your personal life as well, not just on surfing, but like how you guys are obviously there for each other as well and share, you know, know each other's kids. And, and, and that's awesome as well, right? Having those role models in your children's life, you know, having Kelly Slater come around to your house can't be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, you know, you look at like Jackson, Dorian and, you know, mm, and yeah. the kids that I have too, like we're, we're all very aware of like how our kids, we're always asking each other how our kids are doing. And whenever, you know, we're around each other's kids, I mean, I see such a warmth, you know, from, and it feels, it feels so good to have like a normalcy with people that have accomplished so much, you know, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, no one freaks out when Mick stays at my house or when Kelly's around or, yeah, you know, course. it's like, it's just it's just been part of our lives for so long and and it's it's really cool because i think maybe our kids can draw some inspiration or my kids can maybe draw some inspiration off of some of these guys and what they've done even though they wouldn't tell me but maybe you know just the inference of them being around i think you can they i notice that they're always observing you know kids are always observing their parents and yeah. and watching them and how they act, interact with others and how they treat others. And I think it's important to teach them like, mm. no matter what kind of status you have, you know, mm. you need to be humble. You need to be, nice. you know, be evenly killed. You need to treat everyone the same, regardless of what they've done in life. You know, it's, it's more about who you are in life than what you've done in life. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, and it's been something that I've learned because as you do the podcast and you get more well-known guys, you just realize everybody's a dad and everyone's a guy. You go through kind of the similar things. Like I've spoken to Navy SEALs, you know, hard, hardcore dudes, and they have the same things as challenges as dads. But I think that, yeah, it's not about what the achievements are. It's kind of who those people are in your life and who they are around your kids. I, I think it wouldn't matter if someone would be, you know, however famous, if they weren't a quality person, humble and with good character. I don't think you'd want them around your kids anyway, you know? <laughs> yeah. You got to be careful who you bring around your children. I mean, you know, they never know they could pick up hopefully a lot of good stuff, but yeah. then, you know, there's bad habits out there and you, you try to kind of keep them away from that or at least educate them on where that, where that leads. Mm. 
So how did, how did it change like your life? Like, cause obviously you went off the tour a little while ago, but you've got some older kids. I think is your son in the Navy, your oldest son. Yeah, I have a son in the special forces in the Navy and oh. he, he's in training, right? he's been in training for months, but, um, he's doing really well. And, uh, I've got a daughter and she's into riding her Harleys and <laughs> she's 21. <laughs> yeah, it's it. I definitely have a diverse group for sure. <laughs> and then you got the little um, three old, right? Uh, and then a little three-year-old daughter who's just amazing too she's she's so smart and she's so i mean keeps me on my toes you know like i i was a little hesitant on having a kid at you know a later age but, but now i realize that like i just i have more patience than i did when i was yeah. younger um <laughs> i'm more i'm more evenly keeled I'm, I'm i'm not at the point where i'm like here here's a steak knife go for it but i'm almost there you know what i mean <laughs> that was that was something that my wife was talking to me yesterday because she actually watched like you guys wiping out. So she was watching like, you know, that little section where Rob's talking about, okay, I went on a 10 foot and I wiped out and I took a 12 foot. And she's like, she's kind of like said to me, it's almost like being a bad parent that is negligent is kind of what helped these guys become um, as, as, as good as they were. <laughs> and not being well, so, yeah. well I, I think that's the reason we all like when we were going to Hawaii, we were, like I said, most kids now are going with their parents or coaches or managers. And we were over there by ourselves and it was, mm. a, you know, you had to fend for yourself. You had to deal with, you know, the locals and you had to deal with like finding a place to sleep at night. And, and it really just, it builds character. It really shows like, you know, puts you in a place of like, how, how bad do you really want this? And then, you know, you, you make friends through those experiences and, you know, people that you just, and along the way you go, my God, thank, you know, I thank Akilah Ipa for letting me sleep on his floor, you know, for a month. And, you know, just there's so many funny times in, in, in life where we're like, wow, this is, this is crazy. When I look back, I felt like I should have died a lot. I, there's, <laughs> yes. there's some times that I died. I mean, I was like, I can't believe I did that shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I should not be here anymore. So yeah. it, it's, um, it's a different world. I don't know if it'll ever be that way again in surfing, which mm -hmm. maybe that's a good thing, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we did a lot of dangerous stuff, but then at the same time, you know, when you have someone that is with you and they're fearful or they're, you know, feeling anxiety, it's not, you know, you don't want to be around that when it's, you know, 15 foot and you got to paddle out. Like you, you got to be around somebody that's like, all right, let's do this. But if you're around somebody that's like, oh my God, it's crazy out this scary. It looks, it's dangerous. You know, you, you know, as it, when we were young, we don't want to hear that, you know, because we were already feeling that way inside a little bit. You know, we wanted someone to go, all right, we got this, let's go. And that would be like, you know, Brock or Chester. They would be yeah, yeah. like, you know, get your board, Grom, let's go. Yeah, I love that part, man. And it's so interesting because that movie's so rad because it really like kind of peeled back things that you didn't know. Like, as I said, I grew up watching you guys. You were my best mate's favorite surfer. He was so stoked when I said I was talking to you. He's like, what? So we were stoked. But to think that you guys had these, um, these guys that played such an instrumental role. And I talked to Rob about that because it's another part of, I think, being a good dad and a man is to have mentors that know that way to, to kind of get the best out of you and to push you to your limits in a way that, challenges you in a way that you i mean you guys it was to another level it wasn't the normal kind of like okay i'm pushing it was really like get out that pipeline and and just take off man <laughs> yeah it was it was crazy i mean there were i mean if you there were times where it was like downright dangerous and reckless where 
I'm glad my parents didn't know what was going on, but you know, it wouldn't have been good for them anyway. You know, they would have just been worried and any, anybody would have been worried if you would have saw what we were doing. And, you know, a lot of it was with no, no jet skis. There were no, you know, no blow up vest. You know, oh, yeah, the, the, we were all paddling out and young guys and trying to figure out like, Oh, it's 30 foot today. Okay. Where, where do we sit in the lineup? You know, like, and, and I love the fact that Brock and, you know, Todd, they would always, they wouldn't really give you many compliments. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd have to work so hard to get like a, a nod or a smile or like, you know, I can't count on one hand how many times Todd or Brock told me it was a good, I had a good way. You know, I mean, mm. they just gave you nothing. You know? So, but in a way that, that kept, yeah. kept you keen, you know, <laughs> it, you, you know, really kept humbled. Yeah. You seem to be someone that like on negative, like I even watched the little thing on Toto Santos. Are you still surfing Toto Santos and these kind of waves still, or you've kind of uh, pulled back? No, up? I haven't in, in a few years now. There's been, I mean, but if, if I'm there at the place and it's, it's doing it, I think, you know, I'd still have a go. I just, I don't chase it like I used to. I don't, you know, so I'm not an actively chasing big waves. I'm just, if I run into them, great. And, but, you know, I really enjoy and respect the guys that are out there like, putting all their effort into it. I mean, that Jaws event's crazy, you know, like a couple years ago when, you know, Dorian had that like airdrop and, yeah. you know, Mark Matthews broke his leg before the contest started. I mean, there was, it's just crazy what they're doing and it's amazing, you know? Yeah, I think it, um, yeah, I mean, every time we watch it, it's just incredible. My, especially when you watch it with your wife, it's really a perspective thing because they obviously, I'm, I'm still surfing and I surf decent sized waves. I do know the power, but I kind of get the, I get the way you can train to get that to that level. But for someone who never watched surfing, my, my wife's German. She just can't believe. She just thinks like these guys are nuts. She says there's something wrong with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there is. There has to be something a little wrong with you to be, to be out there for sure. I, I look back when, in the years that we were doing it um, pretty hardcore and there was something wrong with us. There was, we, we didn't have a real respect for life. We, we mm. didn't, you know, we, I think we just felt like someone yeah someone's gonna probably get taken out at some point you know and you always had it in the back of your mind you never talked about it but at the same time everybody was thinking that you know like let's not talk about it but you know this this could get serious today and we have obviously we've lost a few friends um yeah you know a big way to surfing and and every time it, it was it's like a reality check you know and then and after it happens i remember it was like well, we're not going to back off. We're actually going to go harder now in, in respect yeah. to them. We're going we're gonna, to, you know, like, we're not going to let this fear, we're going to overcome this fear. And, and after, after overcoming the fear, after a few friends passed away, it was like, I, I only really had something to prove to myself, you know, not, not to anyone else. It was more like, you know, I, I just want to go out there and get past this fear and that's it. That's, and that's the only goal I have. Cause I, I don't like the feeling of this fear. And if I'm going to paddle out, you, you don't, you just can't have fear. You know, you've got to have, you've got to want it. Cause mm. when you have fear, it starts to creep in and that's when you get hurt. Yeah. I actually did a little bit of post a little while ago. I mountain bike on that mountain that's behind me now. That's my surf replacement. And I'm, my wife also thinks I'm stupid because I'm 42 now and I've started like downhill mountain biking two years ago and obviously you wipe out, but it's that thing of hesitation. And the times that I hesitate, I wipe out and hurt myself way more than when I actually go for it. And it was the same with taking off on waves. And 
it's that, you know, I went to Madagascar and I'd hadn't surfed for a while. And my hesit- you know, every time I hesitated, it was the time that I'd just get pitched over the falls or hit the reef or whatever. Not saying that when you do go, you don't get hurt. But I think that's, I mean, I'm sure you agree that that's one of the most fatal mistakes I think we make as people is even in love and, and how we, with our kids, is hesitating. You know, it's hesitating. Like, I don't want to give as much love or I don't want to connect in this way in case I don't get something back, you know? I mean, it is, it's just, I mean, love costs you nothing to give, but it costs you everything if you can't give it. So mm. you really got to put yourself out there and you have to have the awareness too, like of not just, you know, just making sure that the person you, that you choose to be with is, is a good fit for you. And you, you look at the whole picture and not just, uh, you know, narrow, focused. I mean, if you look at a painting, you're not going to want to look at three quarters of the painting. You're not going to want to cover up one corner of it. You got to have to, you got to look at the whole thing, you know, to kind of get a good idea of what's going on there. <laughs> Did your competitive like nature at the beginning, I mean, because you said it actually had a kind of a toxic mindset to you that it actually creeped in and made surfing contests and kind of things, it became worse for you and not better because you were almost too focused on the win. Yeah, I think I, I was definitely wanted it too much. I, I was gripping too hard and mm. and then the longer I wasn't, you know, obtaining the goal of like, I really wanted to win a world title. I got more and more frustrated in that. Just the frustrate, any kind of frustration, I think manifests in your body on a physical level too, and just gets you, mm. you know, stiffer and, you know, you're not as free. And you're, for me, it was like a lot of second guessing in my heats. Um, always, you know, coming, getting too hard on myself. Um, I thought for the longest time, you know, you're being taught, you need to be hard on yourself to be the best. Well, you know, looking back on that, that's horrible advice, but, um, mm. you know, you should be, you know, easy on yourself. Why, why, why be hard on yourself? That doesn't make any sense. You know, and it only, it only stops your progression and your progress. You know, you, you don't really know how good you can be until you're really, you know, until you are really nice to yourself. Mm. Um, I, I, I feel like now looking back on it, that was, one of the biggest things that, you know, obviously hindsight is great, but foresight is a lot better. Mm. So how did you change that? I mean, and when, when did that, that little click happen and, and how did you actually change? Cause I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a perfect human being and I'm pretty honest on the podcast that there's a lot of changes that I need to make, but it's such a long process. Was it quite a, a quick change or did it take a lot of work to actually change your mindset and get out there and just enjoy yourself? It, it didn't change as quick as I wanted it to. <laughs> <laughs> Never but does I, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today, you know, if, if I didn't just start the process and, and the process was just looking within, you know, mm. it's just looking at yourself, spending some time with your own thoughts. I mean, what in the world could be more important than understanding your own thoughts? Mm. You know, what, what do you want to bring to, you know, your marriage? What do you want to bring yeah, to your absolutely. children? Do you want to, what do you want to bring? Do you want to bring, you know, you want to give them the best. Everyone says, I want to give my kids mm. the best, you know, and for the, you to give your kids the best, you actually need to be selfish. You need to be and take some time to yourself every day. So you can give what you give to them is in seconds. Mm. Absolutely. And I'm not, talking, yeah. I'm not talking about sitting in, you know, Lotus position for four hours and doing breathing. I'm talking about just spending maybe 20 minutes alone in a quiet place with your own mind and see why do you think the way you do and why you behave the way you do and what 
what behavior do you have that you don't want anymore? It doesn't work for you. And how do you get through that? Those are the kind of things that like, I think the word selfish gets such a negative connotation when really it's going to make everything better if you can, you know, spend a little time by yourself and, and be selfish. Have you read that book, As a Man Thinketh, by James Allen before? Like a short little book. I haven't, no. Oh, I recommend it. It's, like, it's, it's on my Instagram thing if you just go check a few seeds ago. And it's about like, it's a thin book, man. It's just incredible. Like just about how our thoughts guide our whole lives. You know, it's like we look, a lot of people reacting, especially now in the world, react a lot to the stimulus and the outside circumstances. And it's like how you just, exactly what you say, when you start that self-awareness and that thinking about how I'm thinking and understanding that I need to sort myself out. And, and you're exactly right. Like being, it's almost like selfishly unselfish. It's like you're actually being unselfish by actually sorting yourself out and getting yourself in the zone because like we say with this podcast, like I can do all the dad things right. You know, I can have all these ticked off things. You know, I played sport, went outside, I can cook, I can do, but if you actually aren't a man that you should be and, and thinking in that way, you, you don't show up for your family or your wife in the way that you could. Exactly. And I mean, it's the unfortunate thing with most humans is they, they, well, let me back up. Let me, let me just go back to the kids, you know, if you know, yeah. and you have kids and I have kids, so we understand this, but kids, when they're young, they only feel, Words don't mean anything to my three-year-old. I, you know, I mean, like she's starting to learn. You know, she speaks and stuff, but what she feels is she feels just your feeling that's coming from you. You know, if you if you say something nice, but you have a lot of um, anxiety or anger behind it, they're going to feel that. They're, the words don't mean much to them. And so, let's say there's a lot of tension in the house between your you and your wife, and you're thinking, well, we've been hiding the arguments from them from the kids so it's all right or we go in the other room and yell at each other well the kids are feeling it you may think you're hiding the the, the verbal sounds and the words but you know what they're what they're sensing is that uneasiness so you really want to have, be in a a good loving space with them and you want to be you know calm and, and really present or let's say you're you know, you're with them and they want to play with you, but you're distracted by your phone and, yeah. you know, you're, they feel that, you know what I mean? They feel you kind of like half there and half not there. Yeah. And how did having a kid like change your, your mindset? I mean, how old is your son now? My son's 23. Okay. So he's getting on. Did that change your mindset quite a bit at that stage or were you still in that more competitive mindset when you had, when he, no, came? I mean, I, I, it didn't, it did change my mind. My, my, I didn't know what I was getting into. You know, like, yeah. you know, first time you have a kid, you're like, oh, well, I think I know what being a parent's like, but until you actually get in it, you know, you don't, you don't really know. And I think a lot of parents go into it with like, they're nervous, which is natural. They're, they're excited, you know, and you just, once you fall into a good routine, you just, it's just your life, you know, and this, this kid is, is there to keep you present and, and mm. helps you see the world through different eyes. Like going back to that beautiful experience of when you were in the backyard, just playing with your imaginary friends when you're a little kid and like, you know, and then as adults, as you get older, you, you go into more of a thinking process and less feeling. And then your reaction, you're very reactive to the outside world. Let's say what's going on. There's so much going on in the world right now. Mm. You become very reactive. You can watch the news. It can make you sad. It can you know, make you make you angry. 
And so you're constantly being pulled around, you know, by your nose, you know, by a ring in your nose, almost like a bull, like the media just tugging you in every direction. And you got to remember just to kind of just be a good, humble, great, you know, if you, if you answer the question, if I asked to ask you, are, do you think you're a good person? Hmm. I'm asking you, do you think oh, yeah. you're a good person? <laughs> I think I could be better. I think, I think I'm a good person at heart. I just think that because of my upbringing right. and I think your parents, you, you, you learn, that's why it's so important to be good dads because through your childhood, you learn so many kind of negative ways of dealing with the world, you know? And so I think it's there for all of us to have, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, I mean, most people, <laughs> most people I know, they answer it right away. They go, yeah, I, I'm, I think I'm a good person. And that, there you go, right there. You know what I mean? You just can't forget that, you know? And you're right. We do need to change a lot of stuff that we were um, influenced by when we were younger. Parents are like, you know, some probably the most influential, you know, people in our lives. And how, you know, like when you were 15 and you said, I'll never be like my parents. I'll never do things like that. And then, you know, you're 35 and you have kids and you start disciplining them like your parents disciplined you. And you said you would never do that. You know, mm -hmm. like how that's how, how that comes into play. And I, I really believe that the foundation of this planet is the children and parents, mm. you know, because what and yeah. who we're raising right now, they're going to take over this planet yeah. and we're trying to, you know, leave this plan as good as we can, but it obviously needs a lot of work in a lot of ways. And I'm actually really encouraged by the young kids. I think they're, they're waking up. I think they're seeing a lot of like through a lot of bullshit that some of the leaders in this world are, are putting out there. <laughs> and, you know, we need some, we good, we really need good people in leadership roles. And I think a lot of good, smart people don't want those jobs, but we need, mm. we need, you know, people, open-minded, good hearted people to take those jobs and, and really step up. And I think, I think the younger generation might just do that. Mm. Yeah. We just finished a project at school. Actually, I'm a fifth grade teacher and the kids go to high school next year at this private school that I teach at. And they just did a whole bunch of projects on saving the bees. In fact, Rob, answered a few questions for the plastic group. There was this group uh, making um, art out of plastic. So they made art of plastic. And then I asked him a few questions afterwards, you know, about his, cause he's obviously into that whole, uh, you know, yeah. saving the ocean, which I am as well. And so it's really cool to see that that's what we do in school a lot more in our days. It wasn't like that. So I think it is, but I think you hit the nail on the head and I've been actually saying it at the beginning of my podcast is that, there's such a, there's so many things. I mean, in South Africa, I don't know if you know what's happening there now, but there's just so much crime against women and children. I mean, it's always been there, but it's really just hit some highs this last few weeks. And it's, people are trying to change so many things, but if you actually just, if you actually solve the parent, the fatherhood problem, a lot of it, even in America as well, the statistics of fatherless homes and fathers that don't show up and how that then filters through. I mean, I'm sure you've been to South Africa and, and worked with some of the kids, disadvantaged kids. There's that ways for change. You've worked with the, I think it's yeah. underprivileged kids that you take surfing and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Tim down at Ways for Change. Um, we did. We had a really cool down the, day down there. I, I was with Mick, nice. and we got to go out in the water with. Um, they're actually their autistic group, which was really oh, wow. special. Okay. Um, uh, my nephew is is autistic, and um, I so there's a obviously a special place in my heart for, for kids that have that. And I actually feel like they're really special and really sensitive mm. because I, you know, I'd much rather be around someone that was sensitive than insensitive. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe we're the problem. You know what I mean? I've had a few in my classes as well. And uh, I've also enjoyed it. I think that it's, it's a different perspective on the world. My son is trying to show me his achievement here. He's been, he's doing a challenge, a sports challenge. Let's see it. He's yeah. Done, tell me, come on in. We're, done, we're dads. The dad show. So Taylor Knox. You know? he doesn't, Hello. he probably doesn't know he's too young, but this is somebody that I watched surfing in a contest in South Africa. And <laughs> a very good. Surfer. He's Hello. Up, how you doing? <laughs> say hi. Good. He's just done 15,000 steps. The contest is over tomorrow and oh, he really wants awesome. to win. So he's my competitive one. And then they're twins, by the way. My first parenting experience was twins, a boy and a girl. They came 10 weeks early. And um, he's super like uber competitive. <laughs> and my daughter, who was around here, she's like, meh, I don't care about that. I don't want to do it. <laughs> this is so funny how opposite they are. <laughs> are your kids... Um, are your kids like similar like that or you do have these like wide range of personalities? Yeah, it's really, you know, it goes to and that's interesting because, you know, you're like you said, they're twins and you would think twins would be alike, but they're, it goes to show you that even twins are separate souls and mm. you know, you could, you could raise them the exact same way and they both turn out so different and go in different directions. But I think that's the beauty of, you know, being a parent that tries to not interfere with their direction, mm. you know, as long as it's a healthy direction, but, yeah. you know, let them be who they want to be, you know, don't, don't make them grow up to your agenda. You know, it's it, got, it's yeah. got to be their choice in their life. Yeah. No, and Rob said that same thing. And it's, it's interesting because when you are so focused and you've been in a surfer and that's been kind of your life, is it, is it easy for you to kind of just step back and, and let them be like Rob was talking about his son in the, in the little waves learning to surf. Like his son's also, he's also got a young kid. I think he's six and how you like want to push them further, but you actually have to just step back and go, you know, enjoy, just enjoy this phase, enjoy this state. You don't have to now go on to the next level immediately. No. And, and that's what I, I was really you know, made sure as a parent that I was never a soccer dad, you know, with surfing mm. or anything. I just, I really wanted my kids to be great swimmers, you know, cause I think that's really important. I wanted them to like the ocean cause I like the ocean and you know, it's cool. They both do. My little three-year-old loves it more than maybe all of them. Um, my son, you know, he's, he, di he's dying to surf. He's been stuck mm. in training for a long time and there's not okay. any ways where he is. So he, he's a little bummed out, but, you know, whenever we do get together, we get to do little surf trips or, you know, down to Baja or whatever it is. It's, it's always so, as a parent, it's just so joyful for me to, to feel that, you know, and to mm. see the love and to know that, like, my kid doesn't hate surfing because of me, because I pushed him too hard, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I really, I, I love, I love, uh, it always hurts my heart a little bit to see parents that are so intense on their kids you know and I, I just i just want to i want to pull them up and just say hey this is the wrong if you want your kid to go surfing with you when you're you know 40 this is the wrong approach you know mm -hmm. this, is, this is something i want to share with them until until i die you know i just think it's a value thing and i've been questioning it since i started this this thing and, and obviously that's what we look at you know i look at what is success you know what is success as a father like what is success as a man is it is it having kids that are high performers or being a high performer yourself or is it just having that wonderful relationship like throughout your life you know leaving that legacy where you know like i always think to myself like don't i want to be that dad 
that when I am gone or even when I'm not gone, that my children, you know, you get those people that sit around a group and you talk about your parents and someone like, oh, my dad, this and my mom, that. And then the guy goes, oh, my dad's my biggest hero. My dad's, my dad's always been patient with me. He's calm. He's loved me. He's let me follow my dreams, but he's guided me. And that's for me. That for me is, and I get a little bit of goosebumps with this because that for me is, is true success. And that wasn't success for me, man. Like, honestly, I thought that success was out there. I thought that I had to be something and do something to be, uh, to be valuable, you know? And then all of a sudden I was like, lately I've just been like, no ways, man. This is, this is where it's at. You know, this is where I want to be. Yeah. I have these kids and it's, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think kids just push us to be a better version of ourselves for sure. I think I've become a, you say I'm a good person. I think I'm a much better person because of my kids for, for sure. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, that, and that's going to reflect in them, you know, like you, you just, let's face it. Talent is never going to stop coming. There's always going to be talent. It's, you know, we, we looked at Kelly for so long as the best in the world. And, you know, you may, he, he's probably the best ever. But now, you know, we're looking at Italo, John John, Gabriel. Like, there's yeah. always talent. And there's more talent coming. So, yeah. you know, that's nothing to, to – I don't think you really need to worry or focus on that. I think you need to worry and focus on, like, being just a really good person. Because if you want to really want to make a difference and yeah. influence – people you it's it's going to come from who you are mm-hmm. at the end of the day i think that's going to be i mean if, you know a lot of people don't know these great great athletes they don't know them at all on a personal level mm-hmm. not one little bit so you know we know a lot of we obviously we all know talented jerks and <laughs> you know like and and that's that that'll keep coming too there will be those too but i think at the end of the day people aren't stupid and they see right through that, you know, over time. And then they go, wow, like that person, even though put on some great performances, mm. I don't remember. I don't, you know, I like, I like the other guy who's not as good just because of he's he, how cool he is. Mm. You know, like you look at Italo's surf and you're, he looks like he's having a great time. It's yeah, just yeah. I mean, easy to watch. It's easy to root for. Yeah. I mean, you're just like, this guy is the best, yeah. you know, like he just has a vibe to him and, and uh, it's cool. You know, I like seeing that. Mm, absolutely, man. But I think it's a thing of the goal. I mean, you had it with a world title, you know, have this goal. I mean, I wonder if, if you had won a world title, would that even have satisfied you as a person? I, I just, what do you think? It wouldn't have, you know, it would have been yeah. a great accomplishment and it would have been a great trophy to have in my house. But, you know, my, my trophies have, you know, they've got a lot of dust on them. And, and I don't, you know, like who's, who remembers me getting third at J Bay, you know, back, you know, in 2003, I mean, I do, but no, I don't think about it very often. I just think, I just, when I think of J Bay, I just think of my friends there, Mm. the waves, the country, the colors, like, you know, it makes me want to go back, but not to put a Jersey on just to experience the country again. Awesome, man. Now, it's cool to watch you guys uh, connect again and how everybody is. And, and I think they've, all, I mean, everyone who comes, uh, that's what I took. And that's what I loved about the Momentum movie was, yes, it was about the surfing. And it was cool to see. But just at the end, it was, I think it was you that said it was just about family and friends at the end. And that's what I actually wrote at the end. I was like, you know, it's when at the end of the day, it's your family. That's like the most important thing. And I think as dads, it's such a funny thing because it just seems so random to say. But for me, almost that realization is what really changes the game when you just go it's about my family like is the most important thing in the world and and what i am here and inside and around here is so much more important than what i've ever been out there or what i'll ever be out there you know yeah yeah i mean it's 
blood blood is not thicker than water to me. I, I have friends that I'm way closer mm. than half my family, my yeah. blood, my, you know, blood family. Like, and so for me, it's, it's that connection with the people. Like it's, it's feeling like you've been through some trenches with your brothers, you know, mm. and, and, you, and, and you, you just know that like, man, if I'm going through a hard time, I can call my buddy across the world and like, and we can connect on a level that he can bring me back to your reality and ground me and, and make me realize like, Hey, you know what, you know, you're going to, you're going to be okay. You're going through a tough time, but you're going to be okay. And, and that's why I always say, you know, when you make, there's not a lot in this life that you have control over. We don't have control over much, but we do have control over regrets. And I think when you make decisions from your heart, you'll never have a regret. I think you will have to make, as a human, you've got to make some tough decisions sometimes. And, and as a human, you're going to experience sadness be, with loss and, and stuff like that. Or, but that's part of the human experience that we don't really have control over. We, we like to have control over it. We try to have control over it, but we realize that that's delusion. And that what we do have control over is, is how we feel and how we interact with our kids and how we make them feel. And we, we you know, we're, my wife and I have a saying, like, I'm not responsible for your happiness and you're not responsible yeah. for mine. You Absolutely. know, everyone's responsible for their own happiness. Yeah, I think that's something that I'm learning. I'm learning more and more <laughs> all the time. But it's, but it's, but it's relieving yeah. because it's something when you realize it's in my power, then you know that it's not something out there that's going to satisfy you, that it's really within your power to make the decision. And then when you are responsible for your own happiness, no one can obviously take that away from you. Yeah, I mean, if you if your if your happiness depends on the outside world, yeah. I mean, you know how erratic it, the outside world can be, and how on a moment's notice things can get turned upside down, and then yeah. you're going to be like a yo-yo. You know, mm -hmm. you're just going to be up and down based on who you run into that day, or yeah. whether you had a good day or a bad day, or the kids are in a good mood or they're freaking <laughs> yes, out. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think kids teach you that very quickly, bro. When you take them to school and yeah. they're not ready, that's the first, that's just such a lesson in like, oh my God, if I'm letting like the world determine oh, yeah. on my happiness, I'm going to be messed up. <laughs> you know, trying to get them off to school because you're late to work. Like, <laughs> I got to go to work. I got to go in there and they don't want to go. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, but yeah. what are you going to do? Getting mad at them is, well, you know. Mm. Well, it's cool, man. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. I, I just wanted to ask you, I mean, there's so much more I wanted to, I wanted to talk about your meditation and Kelly's wave pool. Please tell me, what is it like to surf that wave pool? It looks incredible. Oh, yeah, it is incredible. Um, it, it's, when you're there, it's, it's, really, it's really like being at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. You feel like you got the golden ticket. Yes. Just, you know, when you see the wave for the first time, you're just, your mind is blown that a machine can actually make a wave that is barreling and powerful. And it's just like, it's really, because, you know, there's been some wave pools in the past. Mm. They've all been pretty bad, you know, yeah. where Kelly's came along. Yeah. And then Kelly's came along and just raised, went from like a wave pool being at level three mm. to a level nine, you know, yeah. he, he just took it so high up. and so off the back that it's, spurred on all these other wave pools that have, mm. you know, really fun, good waves now, you know? So it's, it's really been, I don't know. I think it's a blessing because the young kids that are really good here, they tend to really want to go to these wave pools now and they can, they can practice certain turns and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's awesome, man. And then 
you know, on the meditation side, um, yeah, I do the Keeley meditation yeah. and, uh, and it's been the best thing I've done in my life for my life and you know, ever for sure. Where would you, I was reading an article about that today. Where would you go to find out about that? Sounds, sounds interesting. Um, there, I, he has a website, Keeley.org. Um, he has an app on Apple that, you know, he can, his voice kind of runs you through the practice and, and then he, I think he's got about eight, eight books out, you know, that you can get on Amazon. Um, it's a couple of the books are more geared towards doctors that he works with. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, I started off with a book called the way is within and his second book was the silent miracle. And yeah, I mean, I, I literally had, and I was a slow learner with that. I, I took me a while to quiet my mind and, um, uh, cause I had, a lot of things going on in my life that weren't going in the right direction. So, mm. but for whatever reason, I, I just knew that like, I need to fix this. Mm. I need to fix this stuff that's going wrong in my life. And I can't look at someone else and, and I don't want someone else telling me what to do. I, I want to learn for myself how I got here and I want to learn for myself yeah. how to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not so complicated as we think because that's exactly where I'm at and exactly where I've been. And I encourage anybody listening, you know, it's, 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 like I said, it's something that's similar for all of us. It doesn't matter if you've been on the world tour for 20 years or was Navy SEAL or whatever. It's just that, like, what is up with me? What am I thinking and how do, how do I fix that? And I think we do have that power in us to just change that. But anyways, I want to respect your time. I've already gone five minutes over. I'm sorry. But, um, oh, that's fine, dude. I, I'm, I'm good, you know. So okay, we're, yeah. What do you oh, before we go? What are you up to now? Are you still sponsored by Reef and 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 surfing free surfing like sponsored or? Yeah, yeah, I'm still sponsored by Reef. I'm still doing little edits and being an ambassador. Um, done. A pro I just did a project with Viore, which this is a shirt I'm wearing. But um, okay. and yeah, I'm working on a new board, a couple new board models with my shaper. Okay. I'm coming out with a new signature fin. Um, I'm ah. working with the Nike naked Viking fin guys and <laughs> cool. they're using uh, yeah they're using a which a material that I loved using with my fins back in the early 2000s but then I couldn't really find it anymore but the g10 material so I've been liking the flex in those fins and just the way they feel so I'm running some different equipment you know kind of doing some twin fin two plus one deal that uh, uh Kelly and I had a really fun session at lowers uh, night before last and I was looking at him, he was looking at my board and he's like I can't believe you're riding boards like this it was like a double wing diamond tail mm -hmm. uh, two plus one setup it was just but it worked so good it was so fun I'm having fun experimenting with different boards like that you know and I'm uh. not just riding your stock standard <laughs> yeah. ruster every time you know so I'm, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun experimenting with stuff and and I am you know, I'm lucky enough to still be an ambassador and still have surfing as a job. So I, I I'm super <laughs> fortunate and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to keep it rolling, you know? <laughs> oh man, it's hard. It's tough, bro. I haven't surfed for three years uh, since I was in Cape Town and then my last real trip was to Madagascar. I don't know if you've been there before, but it's, uh, it hurts a little bit to hear you say that, but I'm, I'm happy to, to live vicariously <laughs> through you guys. And I'm, I'm really stoked that you came on the show. So thanks a lot, Taylor, man. It's been awesome. Uh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really honored to be on the show. Appreciate but, it. Yeah. And, and maybe I need to get Kelly on the show because I really want him to come and build a wave pool here somewhere because I think that Frankfurt, <laughs> I'm near Frankfurt city actually, and it would be so sick 
if someone would build a wave pool like that and then put up surf shops like around it and build a beach for like people to come and hang out on, I think it would be, it'll be amazing. It'll just be hard in the oh, winter yeah. maybe, but um, I'm dying for something like that, man. It's, I mean, England has a wave pool and I know it's cold up there in the winter too. So and then they surf it in their wetsuits and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think for sure you, you guys, this seems like there's a lot of German surfers. I mean, I, you know, like yeah. I ran into quite a few around the world. So yeah, they go to Portugal. I, I, I'm surprised that there isn't a wave pool in Germany yet because the Germans be are so yeah. good at engineering yeah. that they would probably make the best one ever. Maybe they could take it from a nine to a 10, man. And Kelly could come put one up here. I'd be, I think I'll just quit my job as teaching and just go and uh, run a surf <laughs> shop there or a bistro or something. But anyways, man, thanks a lot, dude. <laughs> All right, appreciate it. So that wraps up my conversation with Taylor Knox, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys got something out of it. And if you did get something out of it, guys, let's put those things into action. It's good to read. It's good to listen to podcasts. It's good to talk to other guys. But at the end of the day, you are living your life and you need to make sure that you're putting those things into action and doing it consistently. Do me a favor. Please share this podcast with as many fathers as possible. And if you can, leave us a rating or a view on whatever platform you listen to. That goes a long way to giving exposure. And I think it's important that people get exposed to a podcast like this and conversations like I've had with Taylor and with Bedros and with Rob Machado, Jason Gardner, you name it. The guests have been amazing. So let's share this podcast and get it out there. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember to work on leading more effectively, loving your family more actively so we can leave that legacy that we can look back on and be really proud of. And until next time, be dead strong. <laughs>